0: welcome to the silver screen guide podcast where we discuss films from every genre so sit back relax and enjoy the podcast welcome back listeners today we are discussing halloween 3 season of the witch this is your co-host corbin i'm alan from chicago and this is actually the third installment in our Halloween Retrospective series, leading up to the brand new release of the the new Halloween. We don't know what it's called. We just know it's Halloween, and it's yes. coming to theaters this late October. We're both super excited for it, and we thought it would be good to go and review all of the movies leading up to it. I'm not a newbie to this series. Alan is... Pretty much newbie, right? Yep.
1: I have not seen any of these. Oh, I I take it back. I have seen pieces of the remake done by Rob Zombie, and we watched that one, most of it at your house. Oh, yes. Other than that, I am basically brand new to this entire series, so we have two different perspectives coming into it, one being uh, someone who's been a fan of it for years, one who has not seen any, so...
0: Well, you may be wondering Halloween 3 would pick up right after Halloween 2, but you would be mistaken. Halloween 3 has nothing to do with the preceding two films, even though the title suggests that it absolutely does. Very confusing titling, really confused a lot of people. And I'm not, I'm not going to jump into that right here. That is a separate podcast. I encourage you to pause it right now if you're confused. If, if you're not, then you don't really need to pause it, I guess. But if you are confused, if you want a refresher, I would say from here on out, you're going to want to go listen to that podcast that I did. And I have the infographic attached down below in the description. So go ahead and pull up that infographic and follow along with me as I give you a rundown of the Halloween timeline and all of the different canons because this is one of those, one of the rare series, honestly, that has multiple canons that ignore sequels. They ignore the films before it. They, they really pick and choose. It can get quite confusing, but if you stay with me and look at the infographic, it'll all be crystal clear.
1: So you're telling me that uh, from here on out, things are just going to get worse.
0: Y- well, or
1: just more confusing.
0: Yes, things will Uh. get quite confusing if you don't listen to my podcast and understand why certain choices were made to follow certain or discontinue certain plot lines. Oh boy. Well, Halloween 3 Season of the Witch was released around the perfect time, October 22nd, 1982, only one year after Halloween 2 and four years since the first Halloween movie. And it is directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, who was actually the art director for the very first Halloween film, offered to direct Halloween 2, turned it down, but he did come back and wrote and directed uh, Halloween 3. Now, we won't put you down if you haven't heard of Tommy Lee Wallace before, because he's really done almost... I don't know. He's really done nothing that's too well-known. The only thing that I would say is probably his most well-known thing, especially in recent memory because it's been really big lately, he did the TV version of It.
1: Yeah, I was just looking at his page and I was searching through all his filmography. I'm just like, I have heard of none of this Yeah, until I got to It and I was like, okay. Now I know where I've heard of his, now I know where I've heard of his name from, is from
0: the TV, the media series of It from 1990, which I have not seen either. I haven't seen it either. It is sitting on my shelf right now, waiting to be watched. I'll get around to it when I have some free time. Right. But I, for some reason, his name is Tommy Lee Wallace. For some reason, I always think of Tommy Doyle from the very first Halloween movie, and I think. It's like the same person for some reason. Oh, yeah. It's
1: not. <laughs> yeah. A character comes back and directs a whole new movie. That would have been hilarious, actually, if they did that.
0: That would have been interesting, yes. Well, he also did Amityville 2, The Possession, which I've seen, which I can't... All I remember is I, I liked it, but yeah. I also thought I liked the first one, and didn't when when we went back and rewatched it with friends but that's a different retrospective
1: yeah i i remember when we watched it we both had very differing opinions
0: on that one well yes but i i i really built it up to you and then i watched it and i was like oh and, yeah yeah uh, anyway this movie stars tom atkins stacy nelkin and Dan O'Hurley. I really didn't know who else to include because I don't know. They're all pretty much throwaway side characters that don't really matter. The only other character I would say worth mentioning is Did you notice Annie Brackett from the very first Halloween movie? Totally different character since they're not these movies aren't related.
1: No, I didn't I did not. Was she uh
0: Maggie? She's the first one who dies. No. Okay. Then I don't know. No. (laughs) Um, Annie Brackett, who is Laurie Strode's friend in the first Halloween movie, daughter of Sheriff Brackett. She is Tom Atkins. She plays Tom Atkins' wife in this movie. So when Tom Atkins comes home and he sees his two kids and his wife, that is teenager who she plays the teenager in Halloween, too. But in this, she's a mom with looks kind of like silvery graying hair in some way. Gotcha. Um, she's supposed to be probably around middle aged, like he is. She's the uh, the screaming ex wife. Yes, for the whole movie. Oh, that is the okay. only time you see her. Otherwise, you just hear her voice, which is her voice on the phone, constantly berating him. But at <laughs> poor, poor doc. Yeah, interesting choice she is there. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the IMDb rating for just a minute. Okay, so the first Halloween had a seven point eight. Pretty that's, good. Yeah, that's pretty pretty dang high. I mean, usually
1: great movies will have that high of a score yeah. normally. And
0: that movie had a budget of 300000 and was pretty right. independent, you might say, in, some, in certain aspects. Right. Well, the second one dropped to 6.6. 6. 6. Yeah, that's pretty mediocre. Yeah,
1: I know we talked about that in the last podcast. We said, eh, I mean, it's pretty fitting, but at the same time, that's a pretty big drop for you know, a classic herald as one of the greatest horror films of all time and having its sequel be that
0: low in a score. Yeah. Well, okay. This dropped even more. This movie currently holds a 4.7 on IMDb. Which
1: is so not good. That really,
0: is bad. In, in
1: my mind, if you have anything below a 6.5 on IMDb, uh, it's pretty much not going to be too great of an experience. At least in my own experience, in my own experience, only a few times will there ever be a movie that has that level of score and actually be decent. That's very rare, though. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's. It's not a good sign. I think it's worth mentioning because that is a really big drop compared to the first one and especially the second one. I was oh, really yeah. surprised when I went to rate this movie after I watched it. I was I was surprised to see it. in a way I was surprised because this is incredibly low, but in another way, well, we'll get into that a little later. Yeah.
1: Yeah. When I I know I looked at the IMDb page before I watched the movie um and yeah, it I think I looked it up earlier, because it wasn't too big of a shock that this one has such a low score. And really, from here on out, the scores, at least I think up until the Rob Zombie remake, the scores are relatively mediocre.
0: Right. Uh, I guess the other thing is worth mentioning, Dean Cundey came back for the cinematography. I would say he has improved since Halloween 2 and also if you list if you started on our Jurassic park retrospective i believe dean cundy did that one as well and uh john carpenter like we said tommy lee wallace wrote this movie john carpenter and deborah hill produced but and john carpenter did the score once again with alan hayworth that's as far as i can tell really their own involvement um what they wanted to do with this franchise is just remain producers but they wanted probably different directors and different people come in and make this an anthology series so Halloween 4 would be totally unrelated to the preceding three movies and then Halloween 5 so they would not be a Michael Myers movie like we know as it is today and like i said i'll get into that in the other podcast but right. it is important to note john carpenter and deborah hill um they're really st- they stepped back from number two but they actually did play a more of an uncredited heavier hand this one was really more step back and then they were fine to remain in that uh producerial capacity and let this be an anthology series but that didn't happen that's a discussion for next week though right right The budget for this movie is believed to be around two and a half million. Pretty small. Pretty Pretty, small. I
1: mean, not nearly as small as the original, but that's still pretty small.
0: That's still very small. And this movie did come out in early '80s, which is still pretty small for that time. Uh, At the box office, it for the domestic. I don't think this movie went worldwide. I could be could be wrong, but just here domestically, it grossed fourteen point four million. So, that's pretty good, but yeah. when compared to the previous movies, the first movie, like I said, budget of 300000 it grossed $47 million at the box office. Right. And then right. the second one did have quite a drop to $25 million, but still pretty good. So then the number three, $14.4 that's not good at all. That's a huge drop from the right. other ones.
1: And I know that the uh, producers were... In-
0: not very happy
1: with those results, um, oh, being no. that it then we got fourteen and a half million off of their off of their movie. To them, that was that was a big flop because it was it should have made a lot more, uh, b- but it but it didn't, and probably for good reason.
0: I'm sure as we'll get into it here in a sec. Right. Well, the movie from what from everything I could tell was only in theaters for about three to four weeks. Wow. So That's surprising. Yeah, on week three, it made about. That's when it hit twelve million, and then I think it was, they like quit their. They cut off the run not long after that, and that's how it hit fourteen million. But by week three, it was it was number nine at the box office. Um, it never reached number one opening weekend. Mm-hmm. It was number two with six point three million, basically half of its gross in the first weekend. Um. It was actually uh, funny because this movie came out the same weekend as First Blood. Oh <laughs>
1: well, then that, that that's why it did terrible, right? Or so the
0: reason why First Blood beat it out with First Blood got six point six million, and it was actually in three about three hundred less theaters across the nation. Well, that also goes to help explain as to
1: why this movie was received so poorly uh, i know oh, yeah. that we talked about in our first blood podcast way back in the very first podcast we ever did like this mm-hmm. uh that movie did pretty pretty dang good in the box office and oh, yeah. was really hailed as a now i guess is considered one of one of the classics
0: yes it's it's definitely gained a cult, cult yeah. classic following like rambo everybody knows rambo um, Halloween 3, yeah, it does kind of have notoriety, but of the not-so-good kind. It's yeah. always considered the uh, odd one out, the ugly duckling of the series. It's just the weird one, and for good reason. I saw that uh, basically everyone
1: that are fans of the uh, of the Halloween series tends to say that, that Season of the Witch, uh, this one here that we're talking about, is considered a cult film and is totally not canon for a lot of people. And oh, yeah, uh, I, uh, I don't know. Well, I guess we'll get into that in a sec. Um, but that's just not very good,
0: right? Like I said at the beginning, this movie is non canonical in any way. It's really weird because we actually see the very original Halloween playing twice, right. Uh, makes makes it out to be a fictional movie. So it, that was pretty strange, I thought. Okay, this is actually not the lowest rated Halloween movie. Really? Does that scare you?
1: A little bit.
0: What's the lowest, dare I ask? Uh, the lowest
1: is Halloween Resurrection. Uh, that's the one from what, 2002? Yep, 2002 with Buster uh-huh. Rhymes. I'm scared,
0: Corbin. Well you should cheer up because the the following movies uh, the the ratings are somewhat higher yeah uh, but then it goes downhill then it goes back uphill so we're, we're, we're ready for a roller coaster yeah sounds sounds like it. mixed bag well and you also know this movie is in trouble when ET comes in at number five at the box office with 3.2 million and it was in week 20 of its run. Number five, week 20.
1: <laughs> Ooh. Hoo, hoo, hoo.
0: Week 20. That says a lot. That says a lot. Well, okay, adjusting for inflation, because that's only fair since Halloween has more modern films. It's actually ranked number six out of ten, I think, which is not great. Could be worse. But not, could be worse. <laughs> Otherwise, if you yeah. don't adjust for inflation, then it's number nine. Well, <laughs> so I did go ahead and watch the original teaser. Very short. It mostly just shows the Halloween mask. I th- it, it hooked me. Um, I did watch the collector's edition Blu-ray re-release trailer. It literally just shows the highlights of the movie and in- incorporates the teaser as well. So it really shows just the best parts and even the end scene. So it's an incredibly misleading trailer. Uh, Totally misrepresents the movie.
1: Now, I did go ahead and watch both the teaser and I think it's one of the theatrical trailers that was released back in the day. On IMDb, there is two trailers. One is the teaser, of course. And then the other one is like a Blu-ray and DVD announcement trailer. But it kind of looks like it was the trailer that would have been released back in 82. Well, anyways, regardless... Uh, The teaser trailer was fine, I suppose. Um, It kind of got me excited for the movie. Uh, I mean, if I was a Halloween fan back in the day, I probably would have been pretty excited for this one. It doesn't really give too much away. It was interesting how there weren't any pumpkins in the teaser trailer. There was a witch mask, and that's really about it. Um, That kind of is a bit concerning. But I think regardless, I would have been pretty excited to see it. Now, the other trailer that's on there, which is the DVD and Blu-ray announcement trailer on IMDb, that one is a bit more concerning and really wouldn't probably have pushed me away from seeing it because Michael Myers is nowhere to be seen in that trailer at all. And the movie doesn't really set itself out, set itself out there to make sure that the audience knows that this is an anthology movie and is not connected to the rest of the other two movies at all. Um, it kind of just is a trailer for a completely different movie. Like, this is not the trailer I would have imagined Halloween would ever have put out. Um, so I guess, and I guess the good things are that the voice is cool, the background music is pretty chilling as well. So overall, it's I say spooky, but not really effective when it all comes down to it, because Michael Myers is just nowhere to be seen, and everyone we see is. I don't recognize it all. So, yeah, those are my thoughts.
0: So, the taglines for this movie, I'd say, are kind of a mixed bag. I thought they were worth bringing up because the original tagline for the for the first Halloween movie is great. The night he came home. Very ominous. This movie did have a tagline that was on the posters. It says, the night no one comes home. That's pretty ominous. I like it.
1: Hmm, yeah, that is that actually does make the movie kind of interesting. At least... Uh, yeah, it gets you engaged to watch it, at least, in my own opinion. It does.
0: Uh, the other taglines are dot dot dot, and now the earth will run with blood again, exclamation mark. Hmm. Okay. This one is really bad. Witchcraft enters the computer age, and a different terror begins. Oh, oh that physically Riveting. hurt to hear. <laughs> it's, that's, so uh... Yeah. And the other one is the Halloween horror continues. So just really generic. Not sure not so sure about uh that one. Did you know uh I don't think the second one had this. I was surprised by the Universal logo at the beginning. Yeah,
1: so was I. Uh I forgot I I don't know if I forgot it or if it just wasn't there that the other two were I know the first one was something different. Um but yeah, the second one I didn't
0: remember seeing the Universal logo. That was a a bit weird. Yes. Uh, Something else worth noting is this kind of has some nods to Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Uh, Have you seen the original? Yeah, I have seen the original, and I love it. It's great. It is great, yes. Unlike this movie. Um, (laughs) uh, Well... Santa Mira is the setting of invasion of the body snatchers and there are bodies replaced in both movies. So that makes
1: sense. I knew I heard Santa Mira from somewhere and I couldn't That's remember it. what that was. That makes sense. Yes. Okay.
0: Um, the other connection possibly is the subtitle might be coming from George Romero's second film season of the witch. Um, they don't have any similar plots at all. Uh, the subtitle, doesn't make a whole lot of sense right. in conjunction with the rest of the movie except there's a really cool witch mask on the cover which was actually nominated for a Saturn award but lost to E.T.'s poster just something interesting
1: This was Halloween 3 that was nom- nominated for that
0: Ed Ed Riviera was designed the poster and was nominated for a Saturn award but Ooh. he lost it to John Alvin's E.T. poster
1: Well it's a good came poster. close to
0: came close to something good yeah really uh this this was actually one of the worst horror movies of 82 because poltergeist came out that oh, year Oh no yeah blue this one this was a poltergeist was huge because you have tobe hooper where's it toby hooper i don't know who did texas chainsaw and you have steven spielberg together yeah i most believe spielberg was pretty much the one who directed that movie and was a driving force. Um, even Friday the 13th Part 3, the 3D one, which is horrible, did better than this movie by far. And um, and Show did better, too. I, I haven't seen Show, but I don't really care. Yeah, I know and, I've definitely heard of that, but I haven't seen it either. Yes. Yeah, so, gosh, that's, that's not good.
1: Yeah, so it came um, up. Up. This was released at the worst possible time ever.
0: It was a really quick turnaround sequel. Yeah. Normally you don't get sequels to movies unless it's like paranormal activity or something uh, that that close that close of a turnaround right. you don't normally get the, the sequel next October. That's normally a sign they didn't take very much care with the script with right. multiple drafts and whatnot. Uh, there was also a a book, a novelization that was actually a bestseller and was really good, hmm. and received a couple of reprints a couple years later. That's interesting. and It is interesting, and for marketing, they actually uh, produced the masks in this movie and really pushed it out for, for people to... To me, it kind of makes me not want to wear the mask watching the movie. Yeah! And especially for kids, but kind of cool, kind of maybe a cool item now that you could wear while watching it. If Honestly, it. I don't
1: think I would have bought one of these masks. Uh, nope. One, because of what you said. Uh, the, if they came with the emblem, ain't no way. Uh, and then the second <laughs> faced masks are kind of really cheap, um, especially the pumpkin one. Looks oh yeah. ee, looks like it would and cost even, you two bucks at Dollar General.
0: Even Cochran says as much. He's like, well, we just like pour the molds and paint them and put them in boxes. That's really it. Right. And we're super rich. Well, regardless, let's jump into it. I'm going to give a plot summary, but if you haven't seen Halloween 3 Season of the Witch, you don't want it spoiled for you for whatever reason, then go ahead and pause the podcast right now so you don't hear any spoilers. Go ahead and watch it, and then come back, and we'll be ready to talk about it. But you've been warned. We're about to get into spoilers right now.
1: This is the official
0: spoiler warning. Yes, yes. When Dr. Daniel Chalice has a delusional patient crying, they'll kill us all, while clutching a Halloween mask, he quickly dismisses the ravings. That is until a man in a suit brutally murders the patient and then lights himself on fire. The next day, the daughter of the recently deceased man, Ellie Grimbridge, comes to the hospital looking for answers. Chalice is so shaken by the event he offers to help Ellie. Her research leads them to Santa Mira, California, where the famed Silver Shamrock Factory is run by Connell Cochran. See, Silver Shamrock produces the most popular Halloween masks that year and plays commercials constantly encouraging kids to buy them. After unsuccessfully trying to gain information about the autopsy of the suicidal murderer, Chalice finds Ellie missing from the eerie, eerily hostile town. Believing her held captive in the mysterious Silver Shamrock factory, Chalice sneaks in only to be captured himself. There he learns Cochrane is using a piece of stone hinge in conjunction with the commercial <laughs> to trigger devices in the masks that will murder the children that wear them on Halloween night. Oh. <laughs> Chalice breaks his bonds, rescues Ellie, and destroys the factory along with Cochrane in it. But Chalice is betrayed by Ellie who has been replaced with a robot. After defeating her, he telephones the TV stations to turn off the triggering, deathly commercial. Two two stations capitulate, whereas the third stations keep playing the commercial as Chalice desperately yells, Stop it! Stop it! as credits roll. So, (laughs) I gotta say, my plot synopsis makes the movie sound a lot cooler than the movie actually is. And that saying...
1: Quite a lot because I couldn't contain myself once we got to the Stonehenge part.
0: The Stonehenge part, yeah. <laughs> oh, I was really trying to figure out how to work that into yeah. the plot somehow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, man. But,
0: but yeah, I think I did a pretty good job summarizing this movie. It was, pr- it was. Ho- I was kind of hard, honestly. It's and I did leave out quite a bit. Like I felt like I left out quite a bit. Yeah, it's but... pretty. All-
1: it's kind of all over the place. Um, yeah, you did a good job. I'm-, I'm surprised you were able to get it uh, to sound like a cohesive
0: <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, I left out certain parts because, well, you'll see why. Whew. Yeah. Okay, so immediately let's talk about this new title sequence because right. we had incredible title sequences in the past two movies. The first one was great. I felt like the second one up to the Annie. This one still opens with a jack-o'-lantern. Right. But mm-hmm. it's like digital and there's like synth music and it's just super 80s yeah. and totally doesn't work. See, I don't think,
1: I don't feel the... Total exact way you do. Uh for me, this wasn't terrible. I didn't <laughs> like it. Um, I didn't. I I take it back. I kind of liked it. Uh because I, I kind of
0: liked it too. Yeah. But when I when I started thinking about the other ones, I was like, eh, right. And see, it's, it's fine.
1: Right, and you don't get the original theme here. Uh you get a new, some new composition, which. For me, at this point, once I hear the new composition, composition, you don't hear those those notes being played back and forth like you have in the mm-hmm. last two. Right. It kind of sets the tone that this isn't exactly the same Halloween that we're going to be seeing like we had the last two times. And then, of course, we get the uh, Jack O' being printed onto the screen, um, which kind of comes in pieces, and um, eventually you get the whole picture. Um, that didn't work for me, the computer screen part. I mean, like I said, it kind of goes to show that this isn't exactly going to be the same that we've seen before, but I think they could have done much better, maybe? The synth music does not work for me. Uh, I'm sorry, John Carpenter, your last two compositions. This one and the last one have not been my favorite at all.
0: Well, we find the setting of this movie is nowhere near Haddonfield, Illinois. We are in Northern California, and it begins on October, Saturday the 23rd, about eight days away from Halloween. Right, And we see the very first movie also had the day and date, and it kind of kept track of it for you, except this one is much more excessive because we get a lot of days. Yeah, there's a lot of date skipping. Yeah. uh, Did you think the font was pretty bland? Yeah,
1: I mean, it didn't bother me too much, but yeah, it was kind of...
0: Eh, yeah. Like, it just kind of said, oh, it's good enough, and just threw it up on the screen. So, I'll disagree with you a little bit in the beginning, because, the like, the synth in the beginning, I think, is kind of cool. Um, from there on out, I don't think it ever really works, except when they are driving into Santa Mira, there is a bit of a composition that I thought was fairly cool but it's really brief we don't get much of it
1: yeah the the opening composition is the best and th- i'd say in the movie uh but even yeah. for me that's not saying too much uh
0: i we also have these noises back from halloween 2 which was one of my problems with halloween 2 when people pop up we get these really ugly 80s electronic noises it's yeah. really bad
1: yeah right, yeah
0: yeah <laughs> Uh, Of course, this movie has issues because it almost tells you nothing for the first who knows how long, but they blatantly make sure for you to know that a a blue stone has been stolen from Stonehenge. And that's really early on in the movie. And it's not even talked about until probably like the last 20 minutes or something. Yeah,
1: the TV in this movie has played a huge role. And we'll we'll, we'll have something to say about that when we get there. But yeah, it it is kind of interesting, too. I didn't notice this till just thinking about it now. The uh, yes, on the on the TV was the piece no it was one of the piece big pieces of stonehenge was taken and then right after that plays the, sha- the silver shamrock commercial uh just to kind of go kind of a foreshadowing element there
0: right so what did you think of the silver shamrock commercial i That's hate kind it and have become an icon <laughs> of i hate it so much this movie uh I've this s- is what ties the movie like people know this song yeah this is this okay You'd be lucky
1: to have kids really go crazy over a uh, a commercial. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nowadays you have the Super Bowl, and commercials, or at least they used to be a big part of the Super Bowl, those being the funniest commercials and everything. Lately, they have been kind of slipping, but that's beside the point. Um, for a commercial hit, mainstream audiences is pr- usually pretty rare. Um, so, when you have a commercial like this, which is not only not only has a terrible narration but just looks super boring i don't i don't get it i honestly don't get it i hate this commercial and they keep playing it
0: over and over yep. again
1: and it's so annoying
0: it it is played excessively throughout the movie to the point where it's just too much. It's like, yes, we get it. Okay, Silver Shamrock is the bad guy, clearly. Yeah. It n- no surprise there. And I just thought it was really unbelievable. They have three really generic masks. It, what is so I if I was the kid that age, I would have no desire to wear one of those. I mean, oh, yeah. it's stupid. Oh, and I it's agree. so funny because when we get to um when we get to the doctor, uh whatever his name is, tom atkins character his kids are like M- uh, we don't want these plastic masks mom bought a silver shamrock and then as soon as the commercial comes on they run and put on their masks and like bob their heads and watch it and right it doesn't make any sense
1: it, it really it really doesn't um i don't get how this became popular uh
0: this movie lives in some fantasy i guess I did, I do want to say, I found the opening hook of this movie to be pretty good. This guy is on the run from seemingly identical type men in suits with the synth and running around. I thought that was an intriguing hook. Where it really falters is. There. We. They don't tell us enough. There's not enough connections. And. What we do learn is so on the nose. It's just really ridiculous because he's clutching the mask. He's like, they're going to get us. He sees the commercial. They're going to kill us all. But we don't learn who this guy is. It takes quite a long time for us to figure it out. And I don't know. There's just a whole lot of lack of information. We don't really know much about these characters. So it's kind of hard to connect with the movie. You got to have, you can have a good hook, but then you can't remain that shallow. You have to go deeper and
1: do this. Yeah, I, I agree. The the opening of this movie really isn't all that bad. I was actually kind of liking this opening um at first. Uh yeah, we don't get to who much until a little bit later, uh, when we find out who this guy is and it takes even longer to figure out why he was even being chased in the first place, or who even are the guys that are chasing him. Uh we that takes a bit longer to get to. Um but that, that but I think this actually kind of works uh a little bit. Because it kind of just throws you right into this middle, right into the middle of the situation, and you don't find out any information really
0: until a bit, a bit later in the movie. You, you got to stick around to figure it out, right? So they're kind of they're trying to set up a mystery, but it okay. Here's where the mystery picks back up when, well, this when the when one of the kind of assassin robots whatever. Comes into the hospital and murders him, and yeah. then he goes to his car and lights himself on fire. What did you think of that?
1: I was surprised at first, and I was like, "Oh, well, that's a pretty smart idea." Uh, I mean, in the <laughs> hospital, you're going to have plenty of cameras all over the place. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's a pretty—that's it, it, a pretty good way of, I'd, I'd say, getting rid of the evidence. Um, yeah, he just walks to his car and just lights himself up. That did—that was a bit surprising. I was, but it made. It made sense that they would do that, you know, just to hide the evidence and, and such. I thought the death was pretty brutal, too. Um, that oh, he kind of yeah. like crushed his, he pressed, pressed his eyes in and crushed his skull, as they say later. That was, I was kind of surprised. I guess wasn't too surprised because Halloween is pretty, pretty well known for its pretty graphic deaths. Uh, right. But yeah, I, it was engaging. I was like, ah, oh, it, it got me interested. I'll say
0: that. Well, one issue that I did have with it, though, I felt the makeup was pretty poor because the shot, it like it. I believe he like pulls the top bridge of his nose up and you, if you look at it, it just looks so fake though at the very end. Yeah. It's a brutal death, but the the camera lingers on it too long. The makeup isn't good enough for the camera to linger. I, I mean, I was watching it on a screen pretty close to my face, so maybe that's why, but I feel like the makeups, the makeup effects in this movie are not good at all. And neither is any of the visual effects really. Yeah.
1: So, okay. I have a question. Uh, the guy, so the assassin goes into his car. Now, is that in a clay face that I saw? Because it looked pretty fake to me. Yeah. But I, I, I couldn't... Okay, is it really? Yeah, it's, okay.
0: a, it's a dummy or whatever. Right.
1: I got flashbacks of Terminator 1 when I Ooh, saw that. And he's those dumping Terminator it all 1. on himself and it lights him up. Yeah, those Terminator oh, that,
0: 1 effects are horrible.
1: Yeah yeah especially that one scene when he's digging the bullets out of his out of himself yeah You're that's where i got it from i was like is that clay made it is that oh, yeah. an edit, a clay clay face so that makes a lot more sense i didn't go back and look at it but it, it looked like it just running through the movie
0: yeah i'm not gonna get any academy awards for best visual effects no um, no they are not i do want to say that i think the cinematography is fairly good in this movie um I think they create a pretty good, it's pretty well shot, and honestly, the the beginning is pretty good. Like, when we see Tom Atkins, like, running down the hallway trying to chase this guy, and the synth music is going, and I think the, the beginning of this movie is fairly solid. Yes, there are issues, but it is solid. Where it falls apart is when, I believe, the daughter comes into the movie. Then the movie yeah. pretty much goes downhill yeah. from there.
1: I could agree with that. The the cinematography really isn't all that bad here. I mean it's not anything special, but it is really isn't all that bad here. Uh I would probably say it is kind of an improvement from the second one. But I would from my own opinion, just a little bit of an improvement from the from the second one. Um but yeah, I agree. Once the daughter comes in, this whole movie just explodes.
0: <laughs> so what did you but what do you think first what do you think of Tom uh Tom Atkins character, Daniel?
1: Um Let's see. We were first introduced to him when he in the hospital,
0: correct? He, well, is it is it? I think it's when he comes home to his kids, right? No, no, you're right. He's in the hospital, and then we see him go home. I don't know. What's your first impression of his character? At first,
1: I was. I mean, he didn't. I, at first, I didn't know he was going to be the main character. I, up until we follow him home, um, but I mean, if, he's fine at first. Nothing really of note. Although, a little bit later, when he's talking with his with his nurse co-worker, Agnes, uh, that's when I was like, that's when I began to question him, because he says to her, "Um, yeah, he says something, it, they have some, him and the black nurse have a conversation, yeah. and he says to her, that's why I should have married you, Agnes, and then spanks her, and then she <laughs> says, hey, watch it, I play for keeps, you know, and then spanks him back, and I'm just like, what kind of work environment is this? <laughs> oh, but back yeah, the I mean, 80s. yeah, now introduction to his character is not bad. I, it's fine. I mean, I guess I don't really have many thoughts on it because I, uh, his character, I didn't know he was going to be the main character at first.
0: He's definitely thinks he's Mr. Cool with that yeah. mustache. Yeah, he's flirting with the other nurse. We see the coroner really likes him throughout this movie, and I believe she kisses him like on the lips really quick when they depart. I was like, "Whoa, what?" Uh, he doesn't care for his wife at all, and nope. I was always—I I was under the impression—I'm very confused about the husband and wife relationship because it seems like they're separated, but he still has like a key to the house because he comes into the front door. But then later on the phone, he's like, I promise I'll take the kids for the weekend or something. Yeah. And that that's very confusing. So I always thought they were separated or divorced. But this but it also seems like they're not. And he never makes any time for his kids because he'd rather go run off with this lady we're about to talk about. So he's defi- he's a definite womanizer and Mr. Cool. And yeah, um, there's re- that's pretty much all there is to his character. Yeah, you're
1: right. And it's kind of funny, too, because at least in the first Halloween movie and kind of the second one, uh, Michael has been shown to go after those who are pretty promiscuous. uh, Very much in the first one. And it's very backwards in this one because Michael, of course, is not in this movie at all. And that's not really a spoiler. It's just how it is. um, So it's kind of funny to see that he's ends up being the hero of the movie um it feels kind of backwards from the original halloween formula but okay whatever i guess yeah the the relationship with the wife was very not explained at all um it's very clear that he's a very bad father um because yeah he never makes time for his kids Um, the wife is constantly yelling at him. And at first I was just like, oh great, we got one of these, you know, another nagging ex-wife and come to find out maybe she has a reason to be the way that she is, the way that she treats him. Um, honestly, I, this is what I'm confused about. Why do we keep coming back to the kids and the ex-wife? Because they don't do anything except for maybe motivation for later when
0: the, uh, When the masks
1: come into play. Uh,
0: it's yeah. I mean, he is supposed to be there for them and he totally neglects his responsibilities because he just wants to go honestly get in bed with this lady that he just met and wants to just take advantage of her and see what he can get from her. So he totally blows off his kids. That's why his wife is always yelling at him. And, They do have quite a few conversations on the phone, but they're all fairly pointless because it's mostly just her yelling. You can't hear anything she says. And he's like, I know I'll be back like tomorrow or I'll make it up to them. And they have quite a few, like more than I realized until you brought it up. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is really weird because there is a promotional trailer for Halloween. They even show the title of the movie. They show a clip from it and they're like don't forget to do the big giveaway after the showing of halloween and to me this was a strange choice and then in the towards the very end we they put on halloween again right and to me this was too like a little bit too on the nose from the creators where it's the third one in there and i'm like okay the problem with this and especially the problem with Especially the problem with putting it in at the end is because now all I can think about is wishing I was watching Halloween and not this. Don't ever yeah. call attention to a better movie in the series than yours. I
1: I totally agree. Um, they really could have. I mean, I, I get it. They're they're trying to show that this movie is not connected to any universe that Halloween is in. Um, it's very much a separate entity. But that also makes me beg the question: Why do we have the title of Halloween on this then. I mean, sure. It's set around the day of Halloween. I get that part. But so, so what? That's, I mean, is that what they were trying to go for? Is just this anthology of terrible things happening on the Halloween, on Halloween day when they decided to make this anthology film, John Carpenter and, and the other producer.
0: Well, the only problem is, so we get Halloween one and two with Michael Myers And so when everybody sees they're calling it Halloween 3, everybody assumed Michael Myers and Laurie Strode and Sam Loomis were coming back. But the problem is they didn't tell anybody about that. They didn't tell the audience. It was only an internal discussion. So when the movie came out, everybody was so shocked and confused that it had nothing to do with the rest. I mean, that's just, it's ridiculous. It's like, I don't know making a Pirates of the Caribbean movie and, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean 5 and then it's about, um, I don't know, it's about Avatar characters or something. <laughs> right. It's just, I, I don't know, That's probably a bad example, but the point that I'm trying to make is it literally doesn't make any sense for them to call this Halloween 3 because the third denotes a continuation of the previous two films right right uh, it, it it confused a lot of people and really that it really hurt the movie because of the right. title maybe
1: it was a marketing scheme if they put a three on there then we'll get more sales but why not just call it a halloween season of the witch i mean oh yeah that would that make it not nearly as misleading
0: i would i would think No, and the other problem is it's not in 3D. Friday the 13th, Part 3 came out this year, and it was 3D, like that was the thing. Right. The third installment was going to be 3D, and this wasn't. Right. I know they talked about making two 3D. I don't understand why they didn't make this. I can understand why, because it would have been horrible 3D. Yeah, 3D, old 3D is bad 3D. Yeah, especially 3D from the 80s. Um, It was ridiculous. Yeah. But anyway, I've got another issue we need to talk about. So okay. whatever his name is, Tom Atkins is in a bar and somehow the woman finds him in the bar. Yeah. How in the world did she know he was going to be there?
1: I, I, I don't, I don't know. Honestly, I didn't know this was the lady before. I had forgotten (laughs) about her (laughs) between the two scenes because her character is just so weak (laughs) Um, between one scene and the next. Oh, yeah. Uh, Yeah, I have no idea. I have no answer for you. Uh, The movie is just like, we got to get this plot moving somehow. And they just said, Barb, give her in the bar.
0: Oh, yeah. And then he's like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll help you. And they go to her father's shop. And she's like, I've been doing some detective work. And she is literally just reading from his date book.
1: Yep. <laughs>
0: yep. Ooh. And
1: not to mention his schedule is so just random. And, yeah. <laughs> and as she says, oh, he kept a tight schedule. And he's just <laughs> like, on this day, April, whatever, we do this. On this day, we do this. It feels very straightforward. Like, almost as if you really wouldn't even need a schedule for it unless you just are that bad at timekeeping.
0: Yeah. <sighs> Uh, it's pretty, okay. And this introduces the problem of talking about, um, you know, extraneous information that is irrelevant to the plot. Yeah. And finally they will either get to the point or we never get the point. And it's just a bunch of wasted dialogue to fill the runtime.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. You're you're so right. This scene, it, honestly, if she just said that my father was a very good timekeeper and said maybe along something along the lines of he had, he was a very busy man, had to schedule eight things per day. That'd be fine. Instead, we get a 30 second uh, dialogue out. where yeah. she's saying on this day, she did this and on this day, he did that. Like you, you could have you could have crushed that all together and a into something very very quick. I mean, I get that they want to say that she said she found that he went to the factory of the silver shamrock. That's fine, and you could have said that he also went to the factory on this day. But whatever, right. you know. Yeah, she could have that's said, fine. "Well, it
0: all seems normal, except this one where it, with the silver shamrock, something seems out of the ordinary about that." Right, that's <laughs> all you had to say. Right, um, ex- exactly.
1: That would have made it so much. It, the scene would have been over soon, and you would have been able to move on to the next. Right. To the next scene when they actually do decide to go to the sh- the silver sh- the silver Shamrock factory, but we lean on it for some reason. Well, <laughs> the there's thing- a thing called Occam's Razor, where I mean oh. it's kind of in philosophy, but it's where you cut out all the fluffiness of the of the material, so you get to the root of of the of the issue, not dance around it or fluff it up. You need this here.
0: Well, another thing that I had with the writing was she called her father Papa. I don't know many like, I don't know how old she is, 25, 30. That calls, right. their, they calls their dad Papa. And then in the very next scene, she calls him father. Those are totally different. And I'm like, that's not consistent with the character. Like if she would have called him Papa and then said, well, my dad did this. But father is very formal. I don't know. I just picked that out of the writing. I'm like, that really doesn't seem consistent with it. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. It's lame. And then, of course, we see for some reason I put him down as Tom Jones. I just felt like I felt like calling him Tom Jones. (laughs) I don't know. I'm just like, so Tom Jones got some beer and he's going road tripping with this young lady. I don't think he cares much. I think he's just jumping at the chance to get with this lady.
1: This brings up a very interesting question. What reason does the doctor have to go on this investigation, realistically, other than to get with the, the young lady? There is, in my mind, no real reason for him to be even on this road trip to oh no. to go to the Silver Shamrock factory.
0: The The only thing they mentioned before is they're like, this really, this has really got you bothered, doesn't it? And he's like, yeah, this is, I can't stop thinking about it. So I think he wants to satisfy his own curiosity, but then at the same time, it's clear because he's got like beer right there and he just like calls his wife and he's like hey i can't go with the kids i'm you know i'm gonna go hang out in a hotel with this lady and this guy is old enough to be her father honestly absolutely and maybe they're going for that
1: fatherly role but that doesn't make any sense because it never does
0: that oh no 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 because she immediately is like hey I want to take my clothes off. Like, yeah. immediately. Like, she wastes no time. And you know what? She had that lingerie packed already. Absolutely. That's pretty- what I was saying.
1: I was just like, in my nose, I said, wait, where did she get that? Because maybe I was thinking, okay, maybe she went out and bought some. But no. then I was like,
0: no. Yeah. Where would she buy it? <laughs> oh,
1: oh, oh, that scene. That scene, was. I was like, "What?
0: what is this movie? It it takes on a whole new level when you find out this is like all premeditated between the two, where she's like, "Oh, he's so hot, can't wait," and I'm yeah they,
1: <laughs> they uh their plan their plan was to go figure out what happened to her dad. Uh, that was the the plan, air quotes. Uh, exactly.
0: <laughs> and they do. They're just so slow about it. Oh, so slow about it, and. Well, on their way there, we get one of those scenes I really hate. Um, I hate driving scenes where there's just voiceover while they're driving. Oh, yeah. For some reason, it feels so fake. Like they both are not actually having a dialogue, but they just recorded their lines separately. Right. And it doesn't feel very natural. Most, a lot, of, a number of movies have done that, not just this one. Yeah. And we get I, a big agree, exposition yeah. dump. Yeah, we get a big exposition dump. Uh,. Thankfully, I guess, like like we needed yeah. to know he was Irish, like we needed to know it was previously a toy factory because we already would have found that out when they take a tour and we see all the toys. Right. It's really stupid because she's like, oh, after World War Two, he converted it to a toy factory and it's a big Irish town. And I'm like, yep. well, there's only like 10 people in it.
1: OK, and so I, I have a, I have a oh, actually, go ahead.
0: No, let's I want to hear the question. I'm okay. intrigued.
1: Did you get a giant Troll Two vibe when they entered the town with all the townspeople? Oh yes, because I did.
0: <laughs> oh yes, ooh, I ooh, was boy. brought
1: back to Troll Two that that terrible, that terrible, that terribly magnificent movie when oh. we got into the town and everyone was just like you know staring at him and watching him drive by, which is so oh. bad for me to have be for me to be reminded of that in this way.
0: Well. Troll 2 I'm sure probably stole from this because Troll 2 came out in 1990. Oh yeah. But in a way in a lot of ways yes, you, you can see how Troll whoever made Troll 2, he was like a foreign guy. He clearly watched this movie and he's like, "Yes, yes, I'm going to do this but better." And right. it just is a utter fiasco. Uh this isn't yeah. scary. This is actually a lot of movies have done this before where the whole town is staring at him it's right, So creepy. And I'm like, this isn't scary at all. Like, are you? No. And when they get to the motel, when they get to the motel, this is a clear uh, ripoff of Psycho. That's very true.
1: Yeah. It, I Now you mentioned it, it makes a lot more sense.
0: It, they're both motels. Uh, he says, let's pretend this is in Psycho. Just for those of you who may not remember, we did do a review of it. Uh, yes. Go listen to it. Um, it's when, um, Marion Crane's sister and her boyfriend, he's like, let's pretend we're husband and wife and you go distract him while he shows you the room and I'll go look at the registry to see if Marion's name was on there. Well, this is exactly what happens in this movie. Right. Right. And it's really weird because I have a big question about this guy who owns the motel because he's got a, he's got an Irish accent and I'm like, okay, so either this town is, this weird irish community that has like no connection with the outside world because most immigrants over time lose their accent from their homeland except for this guy or he's like a first generation irish immigrant and i don't know that didn't make any sense
1: yeah not to mention the guy is fruity
0: (laughs) (laughs) this old man is (laughs) crazy. crazy. I, i thought it was really weird how he's about to give him a he gives them a tour of this really small room and bathroom and it's like yeah we have eyes we can see and right. he said it's cozy it's quiet and the price is right yeah they already bought the room you're why are you trying to sell it to him for <sighs> weird line
1: <laughs> and then we and then right after was there, is it is right after this we get the two yeah yeah we get yeah. the uh, other woman and the family in the rv show up Ooh. Um, <sighs> the, there, there, there really isn't much of a reason for either of them to be here, except for no. the fact that they they show off later. They become plot devices, but for right now, there, there, there is no reason.
0: They are they are totally they're total plot devices, and I find it funny how all of these people arrive at the same time.
1: I know, and <laughs> and they all at least two of them have this pretty similar problems. Um, right. with
0: Maggie and the other uh, it, exactly, and the other guy is a salesman who yeah hits his wife, who is really weird. He's got a really bratty kid that just rides his bike away to who knows where and, like, flips off his mom. Right. And it doesn't make any sense because they have an RV, so staying at a motel defeats the purpose of an RV. Oh,
1: exactly. I mean, if you're going to have an RV, you might as well utilize it. That's That feels like a
0: waste of money almost. This was just a cheap knockoff of, like, uh, Cousin Eddie from the National Lampoon's Vacation movies. Oh, yeah, I, I see that. Um, I don't know if that's, if that's it at all. I mean, I think vacation came after this, but clearly, I don't know. I was like, Hmm. (sighs) Okay. This is where it gets really, really weird. Yeah. Because she says, where do you want to sleep? Dr. Chalice. And I'm like, and he said, that's a dumb question, Miss Grimbridge. And I'm like, and that's a horrible, cheesy line. And (laughs) this movie turns so quick.
1: We were in that room for no more than maybe 30 seconds. And then she's like, that's a stupid question, doctor.
0: That was weird. So it all of a sudden becomes a really bad, cheesy 80s porno, essentially.
1: (laughs) Yeah. um, I haven't,
0: I have not seen an 80s porno. I never will, but it's pretty obvious. I'm, you know, can pretty much deduce from right. this. Yeah. Right.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um Yeah, in my notes when she says, "Now that's a dumb question to ask" and then kisses him. Wait, other way around, sorry. When he says, "That's a dumb that's a dumb question to ask" cuz he had he said, "I can go sleep in the car or I can be better than sleeping on the floor." And then she says, uh, whatever. In my notes, I put in all caps, what in the world, how did we get here? Yeah.
0: Talk about lack of setup and motivation. Oh, yeah. It's so uh, fast. I mean, clearly his setup is that he's a womanizer and he's like, that's why I said, I don't really think he cares that much. I think it's to satisfy his own curiosity and he's like, oh, here's a young woman inviting me to go with her. And apparently I am such a magnet for women that none can resist me. So this should be pretty easy to go to bed with her. But I'm like, what is with her? My gosh, she is a floozy. And I'm like, is she just extremely needy and desperate that she's willing to sleep with like this middle-aged man? And she even brought lingerie. And I'm like...
1: The best part is they went on this trip to find out what happened to her father. Uh, It seems we've forgotten uh, what exactly we're here for?
0: <laughs> now that we're here on our... Right. ...honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. I
1: didn't care about my father in the first
0: place. Yeah, I just wanted you. <laughs> Ever since <laughs> I saw you. It's yeah. really, really bad.
1: And it gets worse, seeing bit later when, when she's actually shown in the lingerie. Uh, but we'll get
0: there in a sec. Because there's, yeah. more, there's more to get through. Uh, And uh, honestly, at this point, I'm like, she's just a really bad actress. Oh, Oh yeah, in the movie. Oh yeah, she's not. She's not good. Did you think it was funny when they said there's a curfew and they like even like pull the cat inside? <laughs> yes, that was funny?
1: there's a curfew. They have it's loudspeakers. Six. They have, I think, security cameras. Yeah, everybody. the whole the whole deal. It's a totalitarian, totalitarianism, ic city or town, I guess, controlled by Mister Cochrane. What in the world?
0: Yeah, and there's a really big flaw with this because they said the curfew is at 6, everybody uh, confine your activities to your own home. Well, right. the scene right after that shows him going to a convenience store in right. the town, buying like liquor or something, and I'm like, what happened to the curfew?
1: Yeah, throw the curfew out the window. <laughs> Okay. Oh yeah, I saw that same thing too. Like literally, the literally the exact the next shot is him in the convenience store, clearly after six, getting right. himself a, a bottle of, of something, some liquor. <laughs> uh,
0: what? Yeah, uh, it it really doesn't make any sense. Like, I, w- I, can, and-
1: I understand if accidentally running yourself into a contradiction in your script, but the very next shot, I mean, come on.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, the store didn't need to be open. It could show him trying to get in. It would have been much creepier if he's, if he's like going to all of these stores and they're all closed, and he looks at his watch and it's like six o'clock or something, and he's like, "Right, what? this is weird." But no, they don't. And he runs. I don't know. He takes the back alley or something. Yeah. And he runs into a hobo who. <sighs> He he. The hobo is like, oh, I've been here forever. They won't give me a job. He only brings in like Irish people or something, and he gives him a drink, which I thought was really gross. Yeah. And I like how the hobo talks about burning down the uh, factory with Molotov cocktails, and I'm like, yeah, three billboards style. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and here's the other thing
1: too. Uh, this scene just piles on the exposition just out of nowhere this film is so uneven it's ridiculous like even me just saying oh it's kind of uneven is totally not even giving it enough justice because it's it's ridiculous because we just went from this this movie all over the place we just went from the girl and doc just about to get in bed to him going to get some liquor to talking to some random dude in the alley and he's just spilling exposition to him like holy cow Like, none of this... The worst part is, none of this makes any difference at all to the the story. Like, none of this that we've seen in the past, I'd say, minute and a half... Yeah, there's been a minute and a half, I guess, to really impact the story in
0: any way. Uh, And I'm confused. So, the hobo dies fairly soon after this. Right. Well, if they've got these agents patrolling the town and they can easily take out anybody, why don't they just do that to... uh, Tom Atkins' character.
1: I the only ex, the only excuse I can give it is that they don't know uh that he's here to do what he is meant to be there for. <laughs> so uh, other than play. that, I have no idea. I don't even know why the the hobo guy dies in the first place because
0: he spoke bad about Cochrane in the factory. Okay. I guess I'll buy it. Therefore death. I guess I'll buy it. It, I was confused because the guy ripping off his head, I'm like, is that Anthony Hopkins? <laughs> <laughs> it looks he, like Anthony Hopkins. He grabs
1: him by his face and bites his tongue out. Or I guess his bites the cheek, part of the cheek off. Is that what happened? Yeah, in Sounds of the Lambs. Maybe he took his tongue out too.
0: Oh, like, you're talking about Sounds of the Lambs now. Yeah. Yes. In this movie, they just rip his entire head off of his body. Yeah. with Like these funny little goopy noises. They just rip it clean off. So my my big problem so far with all of the deaths in this movie is they are fairly slow. Yeah, because if these uh, it just kills the tension, like in the beginning of the movie, when the guy was just strangling him, I had no fear for that guy in his life because it didn't look like he was being strangled. And they're just like, just like, it's just like so slow. It's not scary at all. This kind of goes to the beginning,
1: too, when they were trying, when those two agents were chasing the other guy, the, right. the father, I guess. Um, and oh, they yeah. pinned him down on the ground, and they were choking him, I guess. Right. Um, right. I guess they the the film's way of showing that they are choking somebody is to put both hands on either side of the neck but not interlock them. Uh, and it looks really bad. Same thing here. It just does not look good at all. It, it looks like it's fake. It's just so not good.
0: And it probably is. Right. And, again, we get more pointless dialogue because, for some reason, uh, Ellie is walking by the motel. I don't know where she's been. I don't know where these people go. Right. And uh, Marge, we learn her name is Marge Gutman. She just, like, honks at her. I know. And she's like, oh, whoops, (laughs) sorry. And then she's just talking to her. And I'm like, this is so pointless. We don't need to know any of this stuff.
1: They're, they're trying to set up her character uh, really quick because she's going to die here in a sec.
0: Yeah, quickly um, set her up so people feel sad yeah, when she dies. Quick, as fast as we can!
1: Do it! <laughs> and and yeah. And then this next scene Ellie takes a shower and then wraps herself in a comforter. Yeah! But so... why would you not the comforter? That's that's going to be wet now! That's uh, gross. I don't, uh, I don't get it. Why did she do that? I mean I... <laughs> granted later she has the comforter on and Comes out with the laundry on. Yes, I understand that. But she just got out of the shower, wrapped herself in the towel, wrapped herself in the comforter. Now the comforter is wet. Way to go.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're about 40 minutes into this movie, uh, and we're, we're going nowhere. We're going uh, nowhere. Th- literally
1: nothing's happened, what no. is it, since we got here since, like, what, 10 minutes or so? Uh, Film time. Yeah, I I
0: guess so. I guess it's probably been about ten minutes. I don't know. I mean, it's a like we said, it's a fairly interesting. It's a it's an okay setup, kind of interesting. Yeah. And then once she comes in, they get there. Nothing happens until like the very end, like the last even the even the last thirty minutes are a slog to get through. It's so slow. Oh yeah. But yeah, you're right. I'm like, okay, why did we need to see her getting out of the shower? Because you don't really see any nudity. It's like, yeah, we get it, like, every Halloween movie, apparently, and, like, every horror movie has to have some obligatory nudeness to it or whatever, but we don't really get any. And, yeah, she puts herself in the comforter, and I'm like, what are these scenes? Like, I don't get it. That's a good question. What are these scenes? Well, and then right after that, he calls the coroner and learns nothing. And I'm like, this is pointless. She'll call you if there's something, but he calls her again, like, another three times or something. And, and then, of course, I'm like, okay, so basically now it's an 80s porno. That's all that is from now on. Yep. Okay, I assumed when she was going to take the comforter off, she was going to be naked. But she <sighs> put the wet die. comforter back on after she put those clothes on. And I'm like, this is just weird. It's like so we, out of left field. It- it comes so quick, because before, we don't
1: see him actually get into bed. You just right. see him kiss, and then it moves on, right? Yeah. We don't know what happened. We never really talks about it until this moment. It's clear what's happening now. Uh, unmistakable. Now, the fact that she actually went out and got herself or brought some lingerie is beyond belief for me. She um, brought <laughs> it. There's no way she, she, she could
0: have. She brought it. There's no way that town sells that kind of That's stuff. what I was thinking,
1: which makes it even worse. Because this is this is no trip to find out what happened to her father. That is no. a guarantee. Because there's if she was so distraught about her dad and really wanted to know what happened, this would be. This, she would have gone off with or without the doctor. I feel this makes absolutely no sense. And this scene, you could have cut this scene out along with almost everything so far in this town, and nothing would have changed in this movie
0: at all. That's pretty much the problem is if you cut out the second act, you just are left with the first and third act and the movie is like 40 minutes or something. They definitely could have done more things with this town, but the writing is so incredibly poor that they had no idea what to do. So they're like, uh, let's just put in... Uh, they're not really sex scenes i guess because it cuts away every time and thankfully we really don't see anything except right. we do get to see his butt which was pretty gross and i didn't want to see right and it's just weird it doesn't it's really poor writing this is right. a poor script I, it's, it, it's really it makes
1: rad. it even worse too when he asks her hey wait how old are you and she says relax i'm older than i look that was scary <laughs> And I'm asking <laughs> in my notes I said you're asking this now oh
0: yeah Ooh, uh, little late uh, well, and then of course we get the lady blows her mouth off or something it like directly shoots right into her orifice on her face and it's it's really gross actually what the like the end product is and bugs come out
1: yeah, what? like what I
0: yeah, I don't get where the
1: bugs came from uh i guess they develop inside the body but whatever um yeah i mean it is it is a pretty cool setup i guess to kind of see what exactly the real intent of the factory is that's what the scene is all about uh with maggie or was marge dying um when she gets shocked when she she messes with the emblem and then gets shocked and then she basically she basically dies um in this scene okay Uh, the, the, when she dies though, the face not, doesn't look, doesn't look so good. Oh no, it's uh, horrible makeup.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and just talk about this right now then, since we're bringing it up. Okay. This, the, the plot, Cochrane's plot to play a quote, joke on the children is really, really bad and doesn't make any sense because... Everybody knows where Silver Shamrock is, and that's where he's producing it. So he's going to just mass murder children, and then he's just going to go to jail. They're going to arrest him. I'm like, so what is your plan? What are yeah. you doing? What is the point? What? It, I, okay, just because you want to murder them for fun? And I'm like, you're such a fool because it's got the your labeling and brand right all over it. Right. It's like murdering someone and being like writing your name right there. And I'm like, it right. doesn't make any sense. This is so stupid.
1: Yeah, this makes app absolutely no sense his plan like like there are plans where that make no sense but this one makes absolutely no sense because like you said his company name is stamped all over those masks everyone knows who makes it and where they come from there if if you were to pull off this mass genocide he would be he would have been caught immediately there's there's no question about it the problem is the guy is stupid because he would know even if he's a practical joker because it does set up it does set up at one point in the movie that he started out his career by selling practical jokes, which is fine, um, and he wants to pull this I guess ultimate joke on all the children for for some witchcraft thing and <laughs> whatever and and yeah, like you said, it's it makes no sense. Like it literally makes no sense because the guy you would think it would be smart enough to know that his name and company is stamped everywhere on those masks. And even if all of them were blown away, there, there, there's still going to be some that exist. Um, or the very least everyone's going to know where they came from. It, it, it boggles my mind that this is the plan for the bad guy. And that somebody wrote this on a page and gave it to people who said, Oh, it's good how i want to know how this came into fruition
0: this makes no sense the only way they could they could salvage they could salvage this the only way they could do that is what i was thinking of is if they produced multiple masks like different kinds like i was thinking oh wouldn't it have been kind of cool if they made maybe like masks of presidents and it shows the president of the united states at like a halloween party and he's wearing a mask of like i don't know a different president from the past and right we see maybe like different leaders doing that as well so that way he would have like you know, totally took down the country in that way. That's more of a grander scheme. Um, When he does say it's a joke on the children, that's a pretty chilling line, actually. Right. But otherwise, I'm like, it would have been much more impactful if this was on a bigger scale and not so small. And it would have showed like the president and a party with a mask on and other people where it's like, whoa, okay, this is actually serious like he's going to assassinate the president and like half of the elected officials or something right
1: and it, and
0: i get it it's scary because children are involved uh, <laughs> i understand that
1: and later on in the movie we do see uh the rv family their kid dies uh, right in front of them it doesn't show it does show it but there's of course a mask over what happens right. um which is pretty controversial i would say um, to have a child be put in that kind of a danger. I mean, obviously right. it's fake because it's a movie, but it's still, I mean, putting a child in that kind of danger in, in any sense is pretty, pretty controversial. Right. At the same time, though, y- you got to have a plan that makes sense, that it is, you know, you can understand why he would do this. The movie doesn't make any chance. It doesn't even try to
0: do that. Oh, no, not at all. And I'm really disappointed with the way we are introduced to Cochran, because there's about 20 men in white coats to come take this lady away. It's it's really excessive. Yeah. For some reason, they need like 20 of them to do it, even though half of them stand around. And then for some reason, Cochran, at this point of the night, everybody should be in bed, but he's in a full suit and he drives down in his limo. And that's how we're introduced to him. And he's just right. like, hey, friend, good to see you. Uh, don't worry, she we're gonna take her to the factory while well, she'll get the best medical care. And I'm like, what that doesn't make any sense. I was just really disappointed this is how we meet the main villain.
1: Right, yeah, the lead villain who's we find out later. I mean, at the time I don't think we we don't know too much, but looking back on it, it his his introduction was flubbed because oh, yeah. <laughs> he should have had a huge introduction to show that hey, this is the bad guy. Or at the very least, not know had a big introduction, not know who he is, and then find out later, hey, he's the bad guy. That would have worked
0: leagues better than what we got here. This is so poor. Oh, well, it's totally poor. And we're about fifty minutes into the movie right now and basically nothing has happened. Yeah. And in my and-
1: notes when in my notes when uh when Marge has the misfire is what they call it. Yeah. I in my notes I put something. Finally something spooky happened. Because it had been a good half an hour before we really saw anything scary, like anything.
0: Right, it, but those visual effects are so bad. Like when oh, that yeah. beam comes out of it. Oh, it's horrible. Yeah, but, it's, it's not good. I mean these these characters are as shallow as the kiddie pool. Oh, the, what characters? <laughs> There's what nothing characters? here. <laughs> and I mean, most pretty much all the dialogue. The characters are pointless. The dialogue is pointless. This is just like borderline horrible. Oh, it's bad right now. Right it's, now,
1: it's 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 so bad. Like you know how cardboard, especially when you have cardboard boxes, they have two layers, or I guess three layers. You've got the in, the outer layer, and you've got that zigzag in the inside. Yeah, it's and the outer layer. Yeah, you yeah. take out two of them, the the first and the second, and you just have that. That's what they. That's what these characters are. Just that last layer of cardboard. <laughs> it's so thin. It makes oh,
0: it's frustrating. Ooh, ooh, ooh scathing. Honestly, Mister Cochran reminded me of Mister Burns from The Simpsons.
1: Uh, I can see that. I well, can he talks see that. like
0: this. So, hello. Welcome to my factory. Yep. Yes, I'm evil. It's, it's just like so obvious. Right. And right. I pretty much didn't write anything about the whole factory scene because it's really stupid and pointless. Yeah. Um, I did jump in when... She sees her dad's car conveniently half exposed back there, right? And I'm like, why did they keep it? Why didn't they just go drive it in a ditch like in Psycho? Or and why did they have the tarp up halfway? Are they stupid? Not and only
1: that, but they also bring in you know all the agents and they kind of push her away. That I, was funny. Evident, evident. It's clear that there was something. That something happened. It's his fault. I think it's
0: funny because it's almost. It's almost supposed to be like, wait, remember, we're looking for her dad. Right. And it's like, no, we already know they got him from the very beginning of the movie. So it's not she knows he's dead and she knows that's where he was last. And she's like, they must have him in there somewhere. Oh, wait, he's dead. I'm like, so what does this have to do with the plot? We already know about the dad. Get off of it. okay? we're past that now. I mean, at least we should be. I don't think the movie is because the script has really big issues. But right, it, and the worst part—the worst part—is uh,
1: they had to remind us. Oh, by the way, uh, we're still searching for her father because we had everything else before this happened. Yes. And it was like, oh wait, we forgot too. Wait, by the way, the father—we, you now you know the father has a connection here
0: yeah she's clear where have i seen that car before oh oh my gosh yeah (laughs) how could i have forgotten it's my dad's yeah and i'm really really confused because so are we supposed to assume her dad ran from santa mira like all the way to that gas station which is really close to the hospital because that's an extremely far to run because they kept his car there. And we see him running in the beginning. That's true. I didn't think about that. It takes him like a whole
1: day to drive there, it seems. I like. didn't think about that. That's very true. That's <sighs> stupid. I <laughs> know.
0: I'm like, her dad is like old. I'm like, nobody can run like, I don't know, 50 miles or something. It was right, crazy.
1: Right, right. No, he, if, if, how... How was this overlooked?
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know. That's why I'm like, this is really bad in the plot. Yeah. Um, okay. Something I think we can connect to the to the other movie is I think the henchmen are very Michael Myers-esque with their yeah. movements and whatnot.
1: Yeah. They are very stone-faced. Um, not nearly as scary as Michael Myers. But yeah, I, I, I think there is a parallel there between the two.
0: I did find him when he is trying to find when he finds Ellie gone and he is like slinking around the town trying to get to the factory. I found that to be fairly good uh, kind of a it's not really a chase scene kind of macabre or eerie, I guess. I don't know. That's like the one piece of excitement we've had since the murder at the hospital, which was like 40 minutes ago.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This honestly, this ending scene at times is fine. Um at, at times this I think this part was pretty was pretty entertaining. you know, fi- finally we get something, you know, that's entertaining in this movie.
0: Okay, so I want to talk about when he okay, I really want to know your initial reactions to this. Okay. When he is in the factory and he slowly opens the door and you see that really old woman sewing, what did you think of that?
1: I was confused <laughs> because I had no idea what this movie was doing at this point. Um I I didn't know where I, I knew we were in the factory I knew that much, but to see that old woman sewing, I was just beyond confused at this point and I was just wondering what does this have to do with anything? Turns out n- nothing really it, it's just some just some robot that, some rare robot that Cokken really likes um, from Germany I, I don't I don't I don't know it, it wasn't scary it it really didn't do anything for me i it confused me if anything.
0: It's really out of place in this movie. Like, it doesn't belong in this movie. Yeah. But when he does open the door, I I mean, I was like, oh, gosh, this is creepy. And I was effective in being very creepy and very confusing. Mm-hmm. But I was like, dang, I I really actually like this, but I wish it was in a different movie or it was better used. It doesn't belong. It's not. It doesn't. This movie doesn't deserve to have something some creepy imagery like that right it's like the only kind of creepy imagery in the whole movie though right and then the movie movie. right
1: and then the movie kind of pulls a scooby-doo uh they grab the man from the shoulders of the dock and they throw him back and they throw (laughs) him against the table yeah uh, into some random room uh that doesn't belong there no no
0: Uh, i the factory is very weird because it's i don't know i guess this is the forbidden area of the factory that they couldn't go into earlier right but yeah the what is the point of having an animatronic lady there next to a fireplace in this room and then they they just throw him really far and there's like a it's really goofy because the sound effects are bad Mm -hmm. like the punching and then he just like punches his hand into his stomach or something and it's just like a bunch of green goo and i'm like so they're just like goo creatures or something right and then we get a ton of more extra unnecessary dialogue and I okay, I do like this actually. When Cochran says it'll be here soon, Halloween morning, it'll be a busy day for me. As a medical man, you should find it interesting. I'm like, okay, that that actually intrigues me. I'm intrigued, right?
1: Right. It it almost kind of felt like Christmas almost this way right. he was saying like, yeah. like like he's Santa Claus and this in is Christmas. That's kind of what I got off of that. I also think it's kind of interesting that Halloween in this movie takes place on a Sunday. That was that interesting, too, because it's usually considered to be the Christian uh, holy day, essentially. Oh,
0: yeah. A, a day of resurrection, not right. mass murder of the children. Um, it's very interesting. and But it really goes downhill when we see the giant piece of Stonehenge oh my. in there. And I pretty much forgot about Stonehenge until this time. and. Same lots of silly stupid scientist stuff and i did actually really like the uh the demonstration when he's like let me show you a demonstration and they see buddy's family which i think is really stupid terrible characters right and they like shove them in there and that bratty kid gets his face like blown up and like a snake comes out and it's really gross and we see this is the pumpkin from the very beginning credits and it's right. twisted, but I, but I actually like. Ah, okay, they finally did something right here.
1: Right. Yeah, I, I do actually do don't mind this scene at all. I think this is pretty, pretty effective. I wanted more of this though, instead of everything else that we got. Um, yeah. And then, of course,
0: you got Stonehenge and. Well, okay. So the big problem is, I said I just wish it didn't take, in one hour and ten minutes. For us oh, to I get know. to this, and I'm, oh, I'm like, the movie only has like 20 minutes left. I'm like, this is a really good idea, actually, but the movie's almost
1: over. Right? What pacing? Um, what kind of? How did they? Why didn't they do this earlier? Uh, that's a. I really want to know why they thought that the doc taking a tour of the factory, or the doc walking through town with this girl was far more interesting than, than this scene when the kid dies and the and the family dies because of that. Yeah. I don't
0: understand why. And once again, it's really annoying because they show way too many shots of all over the country, North, South, Midwest. We get it. We get it. It's everywhere. And, and they even have like vans driving around almost to the point where it's like, that's really suspicious. Okay. That you're like, please go inside and watch at nine. And right, uh, it's, it's yeah really bad. It, and we finally cut back to his home, the doctor's home. That's true. Yeah, I don't know. The kids are just in their masks. We don't see the mom. We don't see anything. But it's just like oh, oh, hey, there, there they are, again and right. again. We and then for whatever reason we cut back to the coroner lady and we get to see her fate. Why do we care? Why do we need it? Why do we need the bizarre background elevator music? I don't know.
1: I. I don't get it. I and they don't go even show the kill. R-
0: it's it's covered. I'm like, oh, why? I know. Ugh.
1: And the, I go back to my original statement back towards the beginning of beginning of the podcast. There's absolutely no way that a commercial like this would make this big of an impact on the society. There, oh, there's right. no way. Yeah. There there can't be. I mean, what kind of reality do you live in? If if you think that this commercial of the Silver Shamrock, really of only just the label, like the logo of the company, being right. shown on screen, that's the only thing you get, and then that is all narration on a black background. Like there, there's no way you, you can't, you can't, you how you can't just nobody. That's not interesting. That's not visually interesting for anyone to say. Oh, maybe I should go buy a Silver Shamrock uh, mask, and then I'll come back and I'll watch at nine, right. because there's- I want to know the giveaway. You know.
0: Yeah, there's I, no okay. incentive.
1: Right. And I get what they're going for. I com- I completely understand what they're what they're trying to metaphorically say here. It's you know this the the big thing of subliminal messages being sent over the television. I right. I get it. You know, I get that theme of paranoia because of TV and such. The, the problem is this is this is the worst way possible you could have done it.
0: Right. And One of the good things that the movie Child's Play does is the Chucky character, the good guy doll, has his own cartoon TV show. Right. So we see the little kids watching a cartoon TV show, and of course they're going to want the doll. So this would have made more sense if they would have had maybe like a cartoon, or they would have seen their favorite, I don't know, kid celebrities wearing these masks. They should have done more promotion with the masks, because this commercial is, like you said, it can't have that kind of effect. Where it's just like, mom, mom, please, I gotta go get it. Like, I remember commercials from when I was a kid, and they've done a lot of this, and they make it look awesome. Right. Not just a little black and green logo, and it's just kids like this, you know, wearing them. and Right. It really doesn't work, and the only thing that does work is when, okay, right before that, uh, the doctor says, he asks him why, and Cochrane says, why? do i need a reason and i'm like yes you actually do need a reason for yeah. the yes what? why are we watching this movie then and okay i love how he says it's a joke on the children that's a really chilling line and that's like the only thing that works and then we just get a massive exposition dump where he talks about the history of I I I always thought it was pronounced Sam Hain because that's phonetically how it's spelled. Yeah. And that's how Donald Pleasant says it in the last movie. If you'll remember, Michael Myers writes it's technically pronounced Sawin. Uh it's Celtic. He wrote that on the board. Do you remember that? Yes, i do remember that. I remember
1: asking about that.
0: Yes, yeah, so now they're like, Ah, that's the next movie. But the only problem is every time he talks about this, I'm like okay, I really want to see that movie now. Actually, that sounds like a really horrifying, really good movie. Yeah. And it just makes me wish we had that movie. And this is not that movie at all. Like he thinks he's redoing it, but it's not, it's not good at all. Right. And this is, yeah, of course we get the talks of uh,
1: you know, witchcraft stuff and, uh, festival. So, and like you said, Sam Hain, and this is where the whole plan comes into play as to why exactly Cochrane's doing this. Uh, For some reason, we have to pull. I'm not gonna let this go. For some reason, we have to pull in Stonehenge. Uh, Lord knows why. Uh, because that's the most that's probably one of the stupidest things I have ever heard of, and I've seen a lot of stupid things. Um, I I just don't understand why. Can you please explain to me why Stonehenge is in this movie? I just want to know.
0: Well, from. From what he said, that's where they used to perform um, child sacrifices was at Stonehenge. And there was a witch, witchcraftian power, uh, a part of the Stonehenge circle that enabled them to, uh, I don't know, I think they like actually transformed into beasts or something or into monsters or the children did. And they sacrificed them there to limit the children population, whatever that means. And just to be evil and sacrifice them and yada yada. That's all I know.
1: Um, what reality does this movie live in? I really <laughs> want to know.
0: <laughs> it's clear
1: to us that Stonehenge was used to tell time. Um, because we found out later that uh, and on the equinoxes. I think it's the equinoxes. Or it's the other ones. Uh, the sun aligns in such a way where Stonehenge is, it looks. It does something. Stonehenge. I can't remember exactly what. I know it's meant to tell time. That's that's beside the point. I I, I, I highly doubt that it was actually used for witchcraft sacrifices and planet alignments and and all this ridiculous stuff. I I highly doubt that. And I find it very, very unbelievable that this movie would decide that, oh, yes, we have to use Stonehenge because everyone knows Stonehenge and play a movie off of that. That makes... ah, I can't even begin to express how much sense that does not make. And I'm... It hurts, Corbin. It hurts that this movie decided to bring in Stonehenge and, and and put in witchcraft and and put in uh planet alignments and and have to do TV TV consumerism and commercials and buying masks and, and I don't get it. I I honestly don't I don't understand what this movie is going for. And I I don't I don't get why it, I don't get how anybody thought this was a good idea. Like it doesn't make any sense to me that no one in the movie is like, "Hey, maybe this, uh, maybe this uh, isn't such a good idea. Maybe we can do better than this." And and somehow it skipped past the producers and the, and the director and the, everyone. I guess it, it makes. I'm so confused. I feel like I'm missing something, but I guess I'm not. I don't. I don't know. I I, I honestly don't know.
0: Well, and the other problem is. Stonehenge isn't really Irish it's in it's in England right
1: it's to make England. it even
0: worse it's not even Irish
1: or other, in, in
0: Italy all right and the other the other problem is Stonehenge was believed to be constructed or between 3000 and 2000 BC a super super long time ago which doesn't consist with the Celtic festival of samhain which was, uh, like a harvest pagan festival. There's no historical evidence that they were celebrated at Stonehenge or even in the same century or millennium. Right. I don't know. It's They're really trying to connect to things that are totally unrelated. Right. But what they're hoping is is that most people won't know the first thing about Stonehenge or Samhain or any of that stuff. But if you just do a quick Wikipedia search, which I literally just did, then <laughs> you would just know they have nothing to do with each other. And it's pretty poor connections, like like you said as well.
1: Right. And this is... I feel like this movie thinks its audience is just stupid, which yeah. they're not. They're, they're, there's no way. Because even I, who didn't look up the wikipedia article for stonehenge as i was just raging about it i knew that stonehenge was not used for anything like that it was used from what i remember for telling time and then like he right just looked equinox, it up and found the answer yeah and so it, it boggles my mind that the writers think that this movie they can just do this without thinking twice and having the audience think hey wait 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 a minute that doesn't make any sense though
0: Okay, there's, my notes go on for another like two pages or something. (laughs) My notes were like nine pages long, actually. Um, Double spaced, of course. Yes, of course. Okay, let's just go, let's just go through this. I think, I don't want to be any any more misery talking about this ending, and I don't think our listeners want to either, because it goes on for like another 20 minutes. Or something. Please, yes. Just this is the longest it. climax in movie history, probably. It's, it's the longest and the most like pointless I've ever seen. I put in my notes, gosh, what a freaking slog this is. Can we please move on to the ending? So he rescues her. Uh, there's actually a pretty good shot of a quick up zoom on Cochran's face. That was pretty good. I thought it was really stupid how he dumps all the chips onto him and shoot shocks them it's pretty cheesy um i don't understand why stonehenge burns up and so does cochran and everybody else uh the fire fat the effect of them running away from the factory on fire is absolutely terrible oh it's bad it's uh this twist is stolen out of invasion of the body snatchers i'm pretty sure where she turns on him um it's really really bad because it doesn't make any sense. Because she was totally helping him. Why didn't she st- turn on him immediately or stop not him o- when Cochran was not there?
1: Not only that, but when? Why would he switch her out for a robot? Because it right in a second, she he. It's clear that she becomes like just like every other assassin. Like why why would Cochran do that?
0: And it we, feels like it was just
1: written in the script because oh man, we
0: need more. Just just write this in, just because. I, I know, that was so frustrating because I was like, oh, this is the climax. But then they're like, wait, there's a twist. She's actually a animatronic thing. Right. And it's just B-level horror. I mean, it's stupid. Her arm is alive. Horrible acting. Nothing happens. It And honestly, the scene undercuts the tension building of him oh, trying yeah. to stop. The whole point is to stop the commercial from playing. This right. is a slowdown, and I get it. They're like, oh, my gosh, no. But I don't feel that. It just undercuts the tension for me. Right. And of course we come full circle, he comes running to the gas station, he says, where's the phone? It's life and death. I'm like, oh gosh. Right. And, okay, this is really dumb, because the TV station wouldn't listen to a man yelling at them to stop the commercials. It That just wouldn't happen. I not mean, only that, yes, not only that, but
1: he also tries to explain the situation to him. And he's like, and he even says, "I believe in the phone." No, I'm not crazy. You have to listen to me, and tries to explain that the commercial's going to kill everybody, or, you know, whatever he says. Uh, you've, like you said, who's going to listen to him? They're making, they're probably making a crap ton of money off of this commercial just, to, uh, just to run it.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, it's the biggest commercial. It's the biggest phenomenon of 1982, apparently. Oh
1: yeah, and uh, this also brings up another question: uh, Did they not re- review
0: the commercial before airing it? uh is that um, normal I guess they didn't know I guess they needed the masks to know it would murder them hmm. it wasn't the final commercial the final commercial was the pumpkin where it's just like boom right and then it like, right. blows them up which is really dumb
1: yeah I, that's why I'm kind of confused about it, is why didn't they just why didn't they review that because I mean if it was gonna be a special giveaway and then this happens they would I feel like that would be you know a uh, bait and switch and it's uh,
0: totally illegal so Yes, this is really confusing because I understand at this point there really wasn't such a thing as cable TV, different, there was, okay, but there were still different television stations. There was ABC, I think NBC, and maybe CBS or something. Those were the big three. Yeah. And they're all independent of each other. I don't know who he's calling that would enable them to shut off the commercials across the the nation um i don't see how that works and that they actually don't do it is pretty dumb i do think this scene is actually pretty intense because there is a child right there's children right there and he knows his own children are at home and he knows they're about to be i don't know just a potential genocide of children across i don't know i guess the united states i don't know if it's worldwide probably just the u.s um it doesn't make any sense that there's this company that would be able to just shut these commercials off, and it doesn't make sense. They do it for just, he's like, okay, good, you shut off the first one. Okay, good, you shut off the second one. Wait, why aren't you shutting off the third? That doesn't make any sense. Right.
1: And maybe it's kind of going to show that it's too late for the people who are, uh, who are running the TV station. But even then, why would you be wearing a mask while you're working?
0: I don't know. Uh, honestly though I do think it is a great ending when he is just like stop it stop it stop it and th- it just cuts off. Um yeah. I-, I don't like that he kind of looks at the camera and there's some reverb of his voice, but I I found the ending to be um I love that there's no resolve, we don't know what happens, so it's pretty right. horrifying and chilling of an ending. Yeah, and I so, will agree with
1: that. The ending yeah. is yeah, the ending really isn't all that bad it's it does not
0: make up for the rest of the movie but no. It, it, no i
1: think that it ended the probably the best way it probably could have with this kind of a script uh,
0: yeah i was like great ending which is a surprise because the rest of the movie is terrible oh it's so bad I, I don't understand it see that's the problem with this movie is the hook is fairly interesting uh the murder the man lighting himself on fire it's like whoa what are we in for here and then it's just like, they're like, we just don't care. What can we do? Um, let's just distract them with a kind of cuts, I don't know, air quotes, sex scenes. They're not sex scenes. They're just them either lying in bed or kissing and then they cut away. Right. And let's fill in a bunch of extra crappy characters and whatnot. Um, I don't know. Whatever. This movie's terrible. Except for the beginning and end, the, surpri- the surprisingly works. Then they're like, let's give it a really good, right. eerie ending. And I'm like, "Did you? where did your confidence in writing just come from and ideas come from? Right. <laughs> like, where was this know. for the last hour and a half? Oh, I don't <sighs> know. Alan, what is your rating and recommendation for Halloween 3 Season of the Witch? This is a poor excuse of a movie.
1: <laughs> because nothing in this film works. Except for kind of the beginning and kind of the end. And everything else in between is either pointless, leads to nowhere, or is so poorly executed that it leaves no impact. And that's the that's the worst thing I can say about this movie is that it's utterly pointless. Because... I get it. You have themes in there about subliminal messages on the television. You know, television ultimately is evil and consumerism and all those popular trends. You know, all those kind of mashing. I, I get it. You know, that, I mean, we've talked about it several times in this podcast that uh, that, the, that the commercial was stupid. It, it's, it, it's terrible. Um, but I get what they're going for. Right? I understand the idea. And there are nuggets of potentially good things in this movie. But potentially good things don't make a movie. What makes a movie is something that you actually do. And that's part of what this movie is afraid of, is, I guess, being... It's afraid of, I guess, being a movie. Because it does things that make absolutely no sense. Like the ending with Stonehenge and witchcraft and sacrifices and all this stuff. I... It, tying those two together makes absolutely no sense. And whoever decided that that was a good idea is ridiculous. And at the same time, you also have the beginning and end, which are, like I said, nuggets of potentially good stuff. Because you have the main character, you know, screaming into the phone, no, stop it, stop it. And then before we get that resolution, it cuts off and the audience is left with, oh, did it stop or did it not? We, we never get that. And that is genuinely kind of spooky. The, the problem is, uh, everything else in the movie before this makes it almost has no tie, except for maybe the last 30 minutes to that ending. And the fact that, like I said before, that this movie somehow made it through so many people and everyone's just like, oh, it's fine, boggles my mind. And I cannot get over the fact that this movie is as poorly written, as poorly acted as it is, because coming off of Halloween one and two, which at the very least were decent, um, this is this is terrible. This is utter garbage, and it's terrible. I hate to have to say that because I wanted this movie to be good because I really enjoyed the first one and I really liked the and I liked the, the second one. Um, like I said before the podcast, it was more like a DLC. The problem is number three doesn't know what it's supposed to be. It, it's not a Halloween movie. It's hardly a movie in and of itself, and the. The problem is with Halloween 3 is that if you don't know what you are and you're trying to, and you're trying something new with this franchise, you're not going to go anywhere. The ultimate goal of Halloween is to essentially have a guy running around with a knife um, on Halloween night, killing those who are essentially promiscuous. That's the, that's the theme of the first two. This The third one has nothing to do with that and goes the complete opposite direction and has no, no not only no Michael Myers in it, but there's essentially no single killer in the first place. Um, the, the movie's a mess. There, there You can't fix this movie. <sighs> Anyways, I've, I've ranted enough about this. Uh, I, I, the last hour and... Thirty-four minutes of us talking about this movie. If if you haven't gotten the picture yet, then then I don't know what to tell you. It, it, this movie's terrible. It, it's it's so bad. This is going to be a, a two out of ten. That's being me, that's me being gracious. A two out of ten. This is a terrible movie. Don't watch it. Not recommend.
0: Wow, it's a little troubling. John and Deborah produced this movie and wanted Tommy Lee Wallace to apparently write and direct. That's Troubling. Anyways, Halloween 3 is the odd man out in this series and for good reason. Putting aside its lack of connection to the first two movies, by itself, this movie is flat as its characters. During the hour and a half, little to nothing happens, so it is filled with empty dialogue and empty scenes. The premise is actually quite interesting, and in the hands of a better writer and director, they could have made this idea into a truly great horror film. Uh, The beginning is intriguing, and the very end is horrifying, but the middle is a slog to get through. This is an easily forgettable movie, and absolutely not worth the watch. That's why I'm giving Halloween 3 Season of the Witch 4 stars out of 10, with a solid not-recommend.
1: If you couldn't tell, this movie got me a little bit frustrated. I don't like this movie.
0: Alan hated this movie. Ugh. Uh I gave it a 4 out of 10 because of the beginning and end. I Kudos to them. And like I said, the premise is intriguing, so I don't think it's a total. In that way, it's not like 100% lost cause, but I'm never going to watch this again. Same.
1: Uh, like you said, the beginning and end are the only, I would say even the only good parts of the movie. Yeah, In um, and, and, and that sense, you, you still can't save it with the beginning and the end. There, there's no way. It's not one of these movies where if you watch it up until the end and everything else is not that great, the ending will make the movie all the, all the better. This, this is not one of those. There's no way that can't be. I mean, getting to that point is, like you said, a slog. It's it's hard. It was hard for me to get through it, and I watched this on Saturday morning
0: oh yeah i can't i can't believe i could not do that i i watched this incredibly late at night and it was like i'm losing sleep over this and i gotta get up early (laughs) right oh but we do it because we love it and we have fun doing it and we really want to hear what you think about this movie listeners where does halloween 3 rank for you like we said it's technically not a part of the Halloween series the Michael let's say it's not a part of the Michael Myers saga per se it's non-canonical but it's still a Halloween movie I guess so where does it rank for you I'm really interested to know where it ranks for you listeners Uh, we're holding off on our total rankings until probably towards the the very end once we finally see it then we'll give you an overall. ...list of where these movies work for us. We're keeping tabs, though. or keeping track. But we want to say thank you for coming along with us on this one. It, we hopefully... You at least hopefully had fun listening to us uh, trash this movie. Because <laughs> I, I always have fun listening to, like, now playing trash really bad movies. And right. I like trashing right. this movie. So... Hopefully you had fun with that because we did have fun. And, okay, I'll promise you this. Halloween 4 is much better than Halloween 3. Oh, I sure hope so. So I believe it's redeemed. So don't worry. This is definitely not the end of the retrospective series. We've got quite a few left to go. Our next review will not be Halloween Three, or I'm sorry, Halloween four, we will be continuing our Jurassic Park retrospective. The next one will be, I believe it's called Jurassic Park The Lost World. Yes, that is correct. That will be the next entry. We are really looking forward to bringing you that review and also make sure to. Look for our Oscar discussion coming out soon. We do, we will have an article on the website if it's not already posted by the time this podcast goes up. Uh, it should be up by then uh, where we give all of our Oscar predictions. What are the big winners of the night? What are the big losers of the night? uh what was great what was a big disappointment what were the snubs we're going to give all of that to you that'll be coming to you via the website we will make sure to link to that though through the uh, podcast site so make sure to check that out before the Oscars, so you know what we think of the movies and then after the oscars we'll be back uh, not too long after the Oscars and we'll give you a rundown of the winners and how close we were to picking the winners and what our thoughts were so we've got a lot of great content coming your way and the best way to stay up to date on that is to follow us on Facebook follow us on Twitter you can subscribe with email. So every single Friday around lunch, you get the email right in your inbox. That way you never miss a single thing. And you don't want to miss anything because we love having fun doing this. And uh, we love doing this with you guys, bringing this content to you. We, we know we have listeners all around the world. We're extremely humbled by that. Uh, that's awesome. And we want to engage with you guys. So comment on the Posts on our website, make comments on the Facebook page. We want to engage and talk with you guys about this. And if you enjoy doing it, then we know your friends are going to enjoy doing it too. So make sure to like this podcast, send it to your friends, uh, like the Facebook page and send that to your friends. Just share the content because uh, you're having fun. So share the fun with others and the more the merrier. So we're really excited to do that. We've got a ton of great retrospectives that are in the works right now. Uh, We're just starting to get into them. We're also going to be bringing you quite a few individual uh, brand new movie reviews that are releasing this year in 2018. We're super excited for those. Make sure to check the website for the complete schedule. Anyways, listeners, we want to say thank you for joining us once again with Halloween 3. We will see you next week in Jurassic Park. Stay tuned because next month we will be coming back with Halloween 4 and of course some great reviews in between those retrospective series until next time listeners
1: i uh i forgot to watch the trailer so i'll I'll put that in later in post
0: oh that's fine
1: oops (laughs)